Good morning. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4 this morning. And Heavenly Father, please help us as we read. Be our teacher this morning. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Amen. Parenting is hard. Um, I haven't been a parent for very long, but I can tell you that I have felt sort of the hopeless, desperate feeling of not knowing what to do. Uh, my parenting tool bag doesn't have very many tools in it, and I uh, have very early on exhausted all of my uh, all of my ideas about what to do. And uh, after my second child was born, I realized, oh, the children aren't the same. Uh, my first child, my second child, they're very different. And so it gets sort of even uh, even more hopeless after that. Um, in our study on Ephesians, we find uh, this section, and, and it started really last week uh, with the... Um, uh, duties of husbands and wives to each other. And this week it continues with parents and children. These are sort of household rules, household, what, what you know, the, it, Paul has talked a lot about what should happen in the household of God. Now he's talking about your household. And Paul himself was seemingly not married, didn't have any children. His advice uh, comes from the Old Testament. It's the, it's the thing he knows. And a little bit of, from maybe from some of his observation. There are a lot of people, even in our congregation, who haven't been married or don't have any children. And um, but it doesn't that doesn't mean that they don't know anything about parenting. They experienced parenting at least on one end. Maybe they didn't do any parenting, but they certainly received parenting in their life. And Paul gives his advice. It's short. It's based on scripture. And the interesting thing is that he speaks to both sides, children and parents. Uh, one of the first things the commentary pointed out was that Paul gives instructions to parents and to children. Uh, the whole household is part of the church. And for Paul's world, that's a kind of a, a new idea, especially in the Greek world. For Jews and pagans both, religion was more of a man's domain. Children weren't necessarily involved very much until they were of age. Uh, women weren't necessarily involved all the time. It was a it was a man's domain. I think if you go to uh, Buddhist temples or, uh, in Asia, you will find that all the monks are are male, mostly male. In mosques, when you see uh, people doing the Muslim prayers, uh, it's it's always men. You don't really see women doing the the prayers, and and I don't think I, that doesn't mean that they don't. But I think you hardly ever see a um, a video or a picture of it. Sometimes religion in the world has been a man's domain, but in churches, from the beginning of our faith, women were included. They were part of the household of God, joint heirs uh, with men. And that was different. Uh, children, too, included. That was different. That was a different thing that Christianity uh, brought. Uh, that God said, no, 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 I, I created men and women in my image, and children are just little men and little women, and uh, they're all created in my image, and I want all of them to participate in the church and in and, 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 uh, believing in me and walking with me. 
And so my first point to the young people listening is that from a very early age, God wants you to participate in your faith. You aren't excluded. Jesus invited the little children to come to him. He loved children. He wanted children to experience him early on and set their lives on the right trajectory as early as possible. The bad news, kids, is that the very first lesson you learn in living a proper Christian life is obedience. And that's not something children often like. To be honest, adults aren't really big on obedience either. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld is a, a comedian I like to quote sometimes. He was very observant about things. One of the things that he said that was so funny was, uh, I'll tell you what I like, being about an, like about being an adult. If I want a cookie, I have a cookie. In fact, if I want two, I'll have two. I might even eat a whole box of cookies. The old warning that I'll ruin my appetite means nothing to me because now I know that if I ruin this appetite, another appetite will come on later. Very funny. Uh, just talking about not having parameters. The great thing about being an adult, an adult is not having parameters. But that's not true. It's, it's a funny thing to joke about when it comes to cookies. But actually, I think most adults will say, no, 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 I live by rules. I have a lot of rules. Some of them are self-imposed, and that's maturity. And some of them are imposed by the government or my boss or uh, society. Some of them even by the natural rules of gravity and physics. But knowing your limits is something that you have to learn early in life. Learn it as a child, and it won't be so bad as an adult. Don't learn it as a child, and you'll just be a frustrated adult. And God sets up these parameters these limits, these rules, these boundaries for our good, not to limit our joy. And that's one of the things we have to unlearn. Uh, we have this idea that if God loved us, there would be no rules. If God loved us, there would be no limits, no boundaries. But even from the very beginning, there were rules and there were limits. Uh, and not living within our boundaries is what has gotten us into so much trouble. So Paul tells us, to, tells us to obey our parents because it is right. Uh, the commentary that I've been reading for this series states that Paul is, is stating that as if it's a natural law. It's right. It's self-evident. Everybody knows that. Every culture in the world has, a, um, has the idea, the belief, that children ought to obey their parents. You, you don't, it's not even something you have to justify. It's just everybody understands that. You won't find anybody who thinks that... Uh, Children ought to be in charge of the household. No, I think everybody knows that that would be quite disastrous. Uh, so obedience to one's parents is foundational to every culture even. In fact, any culture that collapses probably has disobedience to parents as part of the collapse. When the natural order of children obeying parents is gone, the rest of society goes with it because everybody starts living outside of natural laws, uh, moral laws, and even civil laws. In the book of Romans, Paul talks about um, people who, uh, the collapse of societies. He talks about sin bringing about the collapse of societies, and this is what he says. Listen to this. They did not think it worthwhile, and they, is, he's just talking about the, the those people who live in societies that collapsed because of disobedience because of sin. They did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind, so that they ought to so that they would do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. 
They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. That's sort of well, the, the thing I want to point out. And then they have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Eastern societies, China, Japan, Korea, are known for sort of having this great reverence for their elders, great reverence for their parents. And yet, in 1966, Chairman Mao in China uh, pushed young people to disobey their parents. Uh, Confucius is the sort of the founding philosopher of Eastern cultures. And uh, for him, the, the stability of all societies comes from everybody knowing their place and staying in their place. And so if you're a child, you are obedient to your parents. If you have children, you make sure your children are obedient to you. And that's the way everything stays stable. But in 1966, Chairman Mao asked them to do the, one of the most un-Chinese things that there was. He asked them to rebel against their parents, their teachers, and all other authority figures. And so they started to uh, protest against, but it went way further than just protesting. They started accusing, they started uh, beating people, and they even killed a lot of people, about 400,000 people. Of course, the, the numbers are completely, um, are very difficult to ascertain just how many people died because of this huge campaign that he was on. Um, but he asked them to do something very un-Chinese, and I would even come back and say very inhuman, very unnatural uh, for somebody as old as he was and should have been as wise as he was to come back and say, no, 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 children ought to be in charge. Children ought to be overthrowing everything. Uh, teenage people love to rebel, and he told them it is right to rebel, and so all he did was feed into their anger and their frustration with life. In that generation, I think uh, several of them have a real guilt inside. Uh, there's a certain documentary that I watched called China, A Century of Revolutions. Very good. And in it, there are these people who... Um, the documentary was made in the 90s, so these people are in their 40s or 50s, something like that, and they're talking about what they did back in the 60s as a young person. And many of them, you can tell that there's there's kind of a guilt in there that they, they cannot believe that they took part in this or what they witnessed and what they thought was good and what they thought was right. Uh, and there's a sort of a, a healing that needs to be done there, and it really hasn't been done yet. But their society, for those several years there, it just totally collapsed. It totally collapsed. It was awful. Uh, it was a very difficult time to live, and... and um, if you ask Chinese people now who remember it, they'll say, yeah, it was really hard. Life was hard. Uh, fear reigned. There was no love. There was no mercy. Um, everybody was afraid to, that they would be accused of anything at any time. And then, of course, uh, there was a lot of hunger that went along with it, too. It's, a, it's the collapse of a society. All right, let's move on. Paul not only tells them that it's right, it's natural to obey their parents, he also shows them what's been revealed, revealed in the Old Testament. The fifth commandment in the Old Testament is uh, honor your father and mother. And, and that is part of um, the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments aren't just tips for a healthy lifestyle or anything. They're, they're foundational for any healthy society. One of these days I'm going to do a series on the Ten Commandments and I'm going to show how each of them is really important for having a stable culture and keeping a society intact. 
these commandments are important, but uh, I'd say there's even a progression from sort of the most important down to the still very important. Uh, mostly theolog theologians will divide them into two halves, and the first half is a person's responsibility to God, and the second is a person's responsibility to each other. And number five is honor your father and mother, and a lot of times people will put that into the responsibility of others to others category. But, but uh, the theologian I was reading said, no, 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 that's actually your responsibility to God. It's your responsibility to God to honor your parents and obey your parents. Why? Well, it's because that's how you learn to obey God. Learning to obey your parents is learning to obey God. That is your duty to God um, by learning to obey your parents. And, and parents, uh, for their part in raising a child, really show uh, or are supposed to show the nature of God. Um, no pressure there, parents, but you're supposed to be modeling God's love, God's authority to your children. But there's another real strong motivator here. Of course, love is the great motivator for all relationships, including the parent-child relationship. The more love that exists between parents and children, the more children will want to learn from their parents. The more trust there is and the more obedience there can be. And the reward for it is stated in the commandment itself and in our scripture, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. And that goes for a child and for a generation of children. Uh, for a child to live a long life, they have to have a healthy life within certain parameters. And for a generation of people to live long and keep civilization on the right path, they have to be able to live long lives and have healthy families to do that. And that all starts with obedience and honoring of parents. So how do you honor your parents? Well, let me give you a few uh, certain ways. Be careful whose honor you seek. Um, that's the first thing. A lot of people out there, a lot of um, even internet celebrities or, or Hollywood or whatever, just society wants children. They want your honor or they want you to seek their approval. And don't do that. Don't, don't, don't shift your focus. You all want approval. Everybody wants approval. And they want it from somebody that they love and they trust and they admire. Let it be your parents. Do not let it be an athlete that doesn't know you and doesn't really care about you. Don't let it be an actor or a uh, YouTube celebrity. Don't let it be anybody like that. And in the case of Chairman Mao, everybody wanted his approval and not their parents' approval. Uh, and he stole that affection away from people's, uh, from parents. And that was a great sin of his. So listen to your parents. Admire your parents. And seek their approval, not from faceless people out there in society. Secondly, learn what your parents value and continue those values in your generation. Ask them what they value the most, what character qualities they admire and what they want you to have. Ask them what they dreamed of you being when you were born. It's not that you have to do uh, be exactly who your parents wanted you to be and and have the pressure of them choosing your career for you. Our culture doesn't really do that. But I promise you, your your parents had a sort of a dream of who you would be when you grew up. Ask them that. Ask them what it was. And you may not need to conform completely to their uh, vision of who you would be, but try to incorporate some of that into your life. And that's a great way to honor them. Make sure that you're known for being for doing good and being helpful and not just being a troublemaker. 
everybody's got a little orneriness in them, but uh, make sure that your your uh, helpfulness outweighs your orneriness, and try to stay out of real trouble in the world. And to parents, what can you do? What can you do to sort of keep your children from shame? Well, teach them a sense of morality. Teach them how to interact with people. Teach them obedience to authority. You don't want your child's first lesson in real authority to come from a judge. You want it to come from you. Teach them a work ethic. Teach them a sense that they were born to have a, a productive life. Uh, the parable of the talents is a very important parable, I think. You should look it up and read it. Uh, we were meant to have a productive life. We were meant to have the kind of life that at the end of our lives we could present our life to God and say, look what I did with what you gave me. Instill that in your children. Don't set unrealistic goals or standards for them, but do set some goals and do have some standards for them. It's a real balancing act. Um, to give your child, uh, to push your child just enough to make them do something and achieve something, but not push them too hard. Let them know that failing is a part of life and that you'll love them no matter what. And don't complain to other people about your about your children. They will know that you have done that and it communicates that, you're, that they are a disappointment to you. And don't forget Paul's command to parents. It says fathers, but just like other places in the New Testament where it says brothers, it really means brothers and sisters. It means everybody in the church. Well, here it says it says fathers, but I'm sure it means mothers too, so it's parents. Parents don't exasperate your children. Uh, other translations put it better, I think. They said don't, don't provoke your children to wrath. Have you ever pushed your child too far? Have you ever caused them to lose face and sort of lose dignity? I know a pastor in Tulsa that has five sons, and they're all really great guys, by the way. The oldest one had a little bit of a rebellious period, but it didn't go very far. And one day, when the oldest was around 20 and the rest were maybe 13 and above, they were all wrestling in the living room, and they broke some stuff, and it really just got out of hand. And their dad got mad and made them all stand in the corner with their noses against the wall. You can do that with a 13-year-old, but the 20-year-old didn't really want to do that. It's a little juvenile, and, and it's a loss of face. So the, the, oldest, the, the others put their nose on the wall, and the oldest one and the dad had a pretty good, uh, had a pretty good fight right there in the, in the middle of the living room, arguing back and forth with each other. And, and basically the dad ended it by saying, you put your nose against the wall or you get out of this house. And so the, the son put his nose to the wall. The dad, the pastor, was telling me, and, and he sort of confessed. He said, you know, I almost lost him that night, and it kind of scares me that I pushed him to that point. He provoked his son to wrath. He could have lost his son. The son could have definitely just gotten out of the house and left that night, and that's not what he would have wanted, and that's not how he would have wanted his son to move out. Um when you provoke your children to wrath, when you push your kids too far, especially as they get older, you lose them. In Western society, you don't lose them to suicide like you do in Eastern society. Sometimes Eastern Eastern society, though, the kids will take their life. Do you remember Dead Poet Society? Do you remember the, the young man who was pushed too far and he committed suicide? That happens. It happens sometimes. It's a rare thing to happen in the United States, but it happens. But most likely, in Western society, if you push your child too far, you'll end up with an estranged relationship. 
Maybe it'll heal over the years, maybe it won't. But you still lose your child, at least for a while. So it's a hard balancing act. You have to teach your children, your, or your, and your children will be taught. So who do you want to teach them? If you don't teach your children, somebody out in the world will. Do you trust that person? Your children will cling to the teachers they love the most. So parents, please be your child's most beloved teacher. Teach them about yourself, your life, your childhood, and what you think is most important. If you don't, someone else will. And that person may want good for your child, and that's great. But they may not. They might just want to manipulate them for all kinds of evil. You don't want that to happen. Most of all, teach your children to love and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, you can't do that if you don't know him yourself. So, know the Lord. Have a personal relationship with the Lord. Read your Bible. Cultivate a lifestyle of walking with the Lord. If you do that, you'll have something to pass on to your child. If you're self-centered and thinking only of your own amusement, you'll pass on that value to your child too, but it won't end well. Jesus grew up knowing God the Father, loving God the Father, trusting God the Father. Even on the cross, who, where his Father sent him, he committed his soul to God, his Father. And that's the kind of trust I want to have in God, and it's the kind of trust I want to have my children to have in him too. Our children can go, go, grow up knowing God the Father, if only we will make the introductions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for being our Father and being a good, good Father as we sing. Uh, and Lord, we pray that you will help us to introduce you to our children, help our children to know you, follow you, love you, trust you, help us to live within parameters, help us to honor our parents no matter our age, help us to love our children sacrificially, help us to teach them the way of the Lord, your way, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And let me speak a word of blessing over you. May God the Father grow our sense of trust in him as a father and make us a faithful son as Jesus Christ was the faithful son or daughter. May the Holy Spirit guide you as you seek to teach your own children and the children in your life how to trust God the Father and show us how to honor our parents. Amen. You're dismissed. Have a good day.